And this is the moment of the movie where I realized that Storm is the original Jewish space laser to control the weather. Um, and Wait, why? Because she says she controls the weather. Oh. Isn't that I, what the Jewish space laser does? I guess. I you know. talk about it at all the meetings. Are you not at the meetings? I haven't. I've missed the last few, unfortunately. Welcome to the unlucky 13th episode of Partial Recall. Ooh. Was that a spooky noise? Yeah, now I'm realizing Now I'm realizing we probably should have done a scary movie for this episode. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the hosts. I'm here with my friend Ishai, uh, the other of the hosts. Uh, if this is your first episode, Ishai, why don't you tell people what this podcast is about? Uh, this podcast is about movies we've seen as kids that we only sort of remember. Uh, so we try to recreate the plot from memory in the first half of the episode. Then we go watch the movie and we come back and we talk about what we got right and what we got wrong and if the movie held up. And crucially, if we want to show this to our kids, because some movies we watched as kids were great as we remember them. And as we're doing this, we are discovering some movies we watched as kids are not. Some movies we watched as kids are Hook. Yeah. <laughs> still, I, I still think of Hook as the canonical bad one, because I think we expected Three Musketeers to be bad. Yeah. Uh, and we were both really kind of surprised by Hook being as bad as it was. Yeah. Uh, so what movie are we talking about today? Uh, today, we are talking about the original X-Men movie. Uh, possibly, uh, depending on uh, whose opinion you follow, uh, <laughs> very uh, Talmudic, <laughs> but um, uh, the OG modern superhero movie, right? The one that maybe like set the precedent. Does, for... does the Tanakama say that? Or is that a big Shammai thing? <laughs> yeah. Right. Does Rabbi Siskel or Rabbi Ebert uh, <laughs> agree whether... Yeah. So the original X-Men movie uh, was released uh, July 14th, uh, 2000. Uh, uh, on Wikipedia, it says the original release was July 12th on Ellis Island and July 14th in the United States. I think that might actually be like... That's interesting. It does relate to the plot of the movie. Yeah. I, I think the premiere was on Ellis Island as it relates to the plot of the movie um final action sequence oh okay i was gonna guess about like professor x being an immigrant or something um also a part of the movie yeah not professor x magneto but continue okay uh ahead of ourselves yeah so released uh july 14th 2000 directed by brian singer and also written by brian singer and tom DeSanto. oh sorry the screenplay was by david Hayter, who also wrote uh Metal Gear Solid, famously. No, no, he doesn't. He didn't write Metal Gear Solid. Oh, he's the he voice. Is Solid Snake in Metal Gear Solid until Metal Gear Solid Four or Five, Five, where he's replaced with by Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, uh, he's he better than Kiefer Sutherland. Sutherland. Uh, yeah. Okay, so he wrote the screenplay based on a story by Brian Singer and Tom DeSanto. Uh, it is starring or starred, I should say, uh, Patrick Stewart, Hugh Jackman, Ian McClellan. Halle Berry, Famke Jansen, James Mardson, Rebecca Romaine, Ray Park, Anna Paquin, a stacked cast, a very stacked cast. It had a budget 
or had a runtime rather of 104 minutes. Pretty uh, tidy for a superhero movie, uh, considering how long they've all gotten. Uh, and had a budget of 75 million, worldwide box office of 296, which I think was pretty evenly split uh, between the US and international. Yeah, so a, a big success, this movie. Yeah. Uh, a, it, before we get into when we saw it, what was your relationship to comic books as a kid? Oh, yeah. So I was a, a bit of a – I straddled the line, right? I wasn't like a full-on comic books nerd, but I went to comic book shops and read them. Right. Like, like, I wasn't a full nerd. I was good at rollerblading, yes. as we've established. Yeah. No, I, I really liked comic books. I just don't want to like uh, falsely portray myself as like a kid who was like obsessed with comics. Mm. It was among my interests. Specifically, um, I was really into uh, the comic book uh, series called Impulse who was uh, Bart Allen, who was um, the original Flash's nephew. And so I had like all of those starting with uh, issue one. So I would go to Fat Jack's Comics uh, down the street. I also used to go play uh, Magic the Gathering tournaments at Fat Jack's Comics. Um, so I definitely was like no adjacent. Bonafides. I have bona fides. But I, again, I wasn't like, I, I, I don't know like all like the best series of each comic book. Like, oh, the Amazing Spider-Man was like the best Did from like, you... issue did you yeah. interact with the X-Men at all? Yes. So I read some X-Men comics. I had like uh, X-Men. Oh, this is interesting. I, I wonder if I had X-Men action figures before or after uh, uh, this movie. Oh, I have a great story actually as it relates to the X-Men. Uh, when I was in uh, elementary school, uh, my friend and I decided to play a, a prank uh, uh on another friend of ours and we created two x-men characters called dr dog and chicken wiggle and we, <laughs> we told our friend these were real characters and dr dog was a uh humanoid doctor who wore a lab coat and chicken wiggle was a guy who could wriggle his way into any situation and our friend he was like carlos the rat yes exactly a real john leguizamo type uh and we our friend who was not into comic books uh we fully convinced him that these were real characters and then we felt bad about it because like they sounded so dumb that we thought it was obvious but then we like really like hammed it up and he believed it and then we had to tell him that they were fake and i felt kind of bad about it but uh that's the the original revenge of the nerds yeah what was your uh uh, comic book uh, so i remember as a kid loving the idea of comic books because i was into video games video games were my thing and i was like there's a lot of overlap between those cultures but i remember feeling like like comics were too hard to get into like because there were new comics every wednesday and you always had to go to the store and they were expensive and there was yeah. like a million back catalog things you had to read. And the stores were very intimidating because like the staff would be like, huh, you don't know about impulse. All right. The staff were all the Simpsons comic. Well, let me right. tell you about, let me tell you about this X-Men chicken wriggle. Uh, <laughs> you idiots. And that's, that's how I felt like I always felt like I was the kid getting pranked when I would go to a comic book store. So I was like too intimidated to do it. So I owned like sporadic comics yeah. But I, I I definitely watched the X Men cartoon show like the, oh yeah do 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 and I had I had I collected X Men cards yeah uh, oh. 
I did not do that, but I did, I forgot about the show. That show was so good. Uh, so that's where I, I, I said before, I don't know where I had X-Men action figures from. It was the show. Uh, that show, oh, Gambit was the coolest guy, right? So when you're a kid, Gambit is the coolest. And when you're an adult, you're like, Gambit is a creep. <laughs> have you, yeah. Have you uh, watched uh, Pete Holmes' uh, X-Men series? Yes. It, that, that's what's his name? Uh, uh, Thomas Middleditch? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's really good. He goes, I throw the cards. Uh, it's great. Uh, what would you do if you're not in a stationary store? <laughs> <laughs> My favorite, uh, I almost made references on another podcast. Now I forget why. Um, but when when he fires Wolverine and he's like, oh, you're always like, oh, who am I? And then he's like, but who am I? <laughs> it's really funny. It's really funny. Yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. It's a great bit. Um, it's a great bit. Uh but yeah, so I love the idea of the X-Men. I always wanted to get more into the comics. I never was able to. So yeah. I've never been like a big comic reader uh, for the X-Men. But Yeah, I read comics, but I, I was never like knowledgeable enough to know like the, the famous arcs. I always felt like a bit removed from that. Where like I didn't feel intimidated by the, the comic book guys, but like there's a difference, right? Where like you're like a little kid and you're like, oh, I want the latest impulse. And where it's like, give me, you know, issues 17 to 23 because that arc is like incredible. Like I was not on that level. Do you think that this movie was as big as it was because of the animated TV show? So I think, I think it's interesting. I think we'll have to do our research in between uh, in, for the, for the second half, but I suspect that the TV show is a huge part of this movie's success. The other thing that, that, and we can maybe get into what we remember about the movie here, but the other thing that works for this movie is that this movie removes all of the goofiness yeah. of the comics. Like the big change, and I remember being somewhat controversial in nerd circles, is they don't wear the traditional yellow uniforms. They're yeah. all wearing like black leather motorcycle uniforms. Mm -hmm. And so I think... There's just something, and it's kind of the Matrixy in that sense. Oh, right? the Matrix is before, and it has that sort of look to it, where you know they wear sunglasses and they look cool. Yeah, um, and it it does hit on a certain cool feeling uh, for that generation. Like, I think there's something that hit on the zeitgeist with this movie. Yeah, um, I also think it it sort of dooms this run of the movie that there's no goofiness ultimately, because uh, like. There's there's very little, if, in my memory at least, there's very little fun in these movies. Right. And I think ultimately, like, they get a little bit too serious. And I don't think, like, the third movie stinks. Yeah. In my memory. Remember, uh, the second movie, I remember being really good, actually. Um, so Yeah. I'm probably going to confuse but... elements of all three movies because I really don't remember this well. This is the movie that, like, launched Hugh Jackman, right? Like, there were a bunch yeah. of stars in this movie coming in and also like go, you know like they were all big ish actors at the time but like you would say like james martin has been a solid working actor since but like of all the actors who like really exploded after this hugh jackman is the one that really got launched I, by this movie right i think it was probably good for patrick stewart and sort of as a he's obviously in other things but he's he's much more of like a well he's famous like for star, star trek, trek. Yeah, guy, uh, but for basically before this movie, 
um, Hugh Jackman is in some television shows I've never heard of. Was he not he's like in, a rom-com? He's in a TV this? movie of Oklahoma. And he's in two movies also I've never heard of. Erskineville Kings and <laughs> Paperback Hero. Uh, and then he's in X-Men as Wolverine. Oh, and this movie launches him as a star. Like, okay. I he didn't realize. Day, he's nobody, he's nobody, he's nobody, he's nobody. He is a movie star. Interesting. So I didn't realize. I thought he was already like in stuff, just not like next level stuff. Um, okay, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Um, and the other actor that I think this launched, I don't think he was anybody before this, uh, Ian McClellan. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think everybody else that's sort of big in this movie was already sort of big. Yeah. Um, and they remain similarly sort of big. I'd like uh, to know in research, like, it, you know, w- when they signed on for this, like, did they sign on for it because they felt like it was going to be really big? Because, like, obviously, like, it's kind of a, a real, like, star-studded ensemble cast. So, like, you get the feeling that, like, everyone had a feeling this was going to be a really big movie. Maybe, but I, I do think that, and it'll be interesting to see, but I think that they were all sort of big. And, like, the way that they were big, like, Patrick Stewart's already big in nerd circles. Right. He's not necessarily huge, like, a major movie star. Right. I think, right. like, Ian McClellan, like, he was also, like, a Ian famous... McKellen. You've got to stop adding so many extra L's. Whatever. Um, I, I, I mean, think it was all like Lord a famous the theater. After. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Both of these guys were, I think, very serious theater people. It doesn't matter. I, I think, but Halle Berry was, was obviously, you know, pretty big, I think, before this. No? Well, she'd been in executive decision. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... We don't need to. We can maybe we can maybe do this in the in the interim. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see sort of where people were in their career and what this did for their careers. I think it was good for everyone's career. It was transformative for Hugh Jackman, who was an Australian guy. The two movies that he was in before were just small Australian movies. Yeah. And then he's uh, in X Men and he's Wolverine, and all of a sudden he's in Swordfish, getting a blowjob while hacking a computer, like. Uh, I forgot about that. Him and Halle Berry, they were like, we're only doing movies together from now on. Uh, yeah. And that lasted. Um, yeah. Okay. So, okay. So let's be, let's try to get into the plot. I uh, don't. What do you remember about this movie? Ugh, so little for it being a movie that I loved. I think So as far as like, uh, I was, I saw it in theaters for sure. Super excited about it. Loved it. I feel like there was a, like after we watched it, there was like a ton of like discourse about like how much we loved the movie. And now in it, you know, all these years later, 22 years later, I really don't remember it. So let me try to piece it together. Okay. Patrick Stewart as professor X and Ian McKellen as Magneto were like Holocaust survivors or something. Uh, And mutants crucially. Um, And so I think there was a time, is this like an Incredibles type of thing where like there was a time where mutants were accepted and then they. Should I, should I pepper in? Maybe. You're not, you're not off. The movie, I believe, opens with Magneto as a young boy in the Holocaust. Okay. German scientists are 
testing, running tests on him. But he was already a mutant, right? They didn't make him. He can him control him. metal with his mind. Yeah, yeah. My point is that it wasn't like a Nazi uh, science experiment. He no, already it's, had the it, it, it's, Right. A Nazi science experiment did not turn him into a mutant. Right. But they, the Nazis were experimenting on him as a young, like, Jewish boy. Canonically Jewish. Yeah. In these movies, I believe. Yeah. Um, and, and of, yeah. And so of, course he's, of course he's the villain then. I don't remember if Professor Xavier... Uh, is Jewish also a Holocaust survivor? I don't think so. And I think it's actually sort of crucial to the plot. Um, is there like a a Dumbledore, um, what's his face, Grindenwald type? Are the are, are Professor X and Magneto... Magneto are very good friends. In, but but in, not like, there's no like love romantic... Not, not explicitly. The, okay. thing, the thing in the movie is... Magneto has this bit of personal history of the Nazis sort of torturing him for his mutantism. Right. And he does not believe that humans will ever accept mutants as a right. result. Okay. So basically they go their separate ways. I don't, I, I can't remember the background of, or, or what people feel about Nazi, uh, Nazis, about mutants. I, th- I know, I think I know. Most At the time people, people thought Nazis were bad. Yeah. Uh, hopefully still. Um, but essentially like, uh, Magneto goes one way, Professor X goes another way. Professor X creates a school for uh, young mutants who are cast off by society because society is not super into mutants. Hogwarts School of Mutants and Mutantry. <laughs> yes. And so he has Actually, this- Professor Xavier School for Gifted Children or something. It's that sort of name. And it's in Westchester. Oh, interesting. And where you're going to go for a basketball game. Uh, yeah. Next week. Uh, yeah. If anyone's uh, wants to come see my daughter play basketball next week in Westchester, uh, you're welcome. Um, so the government passes a law against mutants. Is that this movie? Okay. No, let me Uh, okay. Let me just, I'll go quick. The government passes some law against mutants, uh, where like mutants have to like be jailed because like they're a threat to society. In my mind's eye, the guy who passes this bill looks a lot like the, the, the guy, uh, in executive decision, the Senator on the plane, like to the point where I think it might be the same guy. And I'm not sure it is. I think actually I read that that guy died shortly after filming executive decision. Um, but he looks like that. So they pass like the senator. In executive decision, you said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He died in the movie. He got shot. In the- <laughs> no, I mean the actor in real life. I don't think it was like a continuation of that character. Anyway, they passed like the anti-mutant law where like they were like rounding up mutants. And I think that's like. So, I believe the anti-mutant law is not they all go to jail. It's that they have to join a registry. And I'm also not 100% sure that it's in this movie. Oh, all right. Well, let me let me just pretend it is because um, this is my recollection. Uh, Magneto then comes back and, and maybe this is like a Holocaust type thing where he's like, never again. I don't mean to be flippant about that. Yeah, no, you know what? It is in this movie. It is in this movie and it it definitely directly draws that parallel. Yeah. So basically Professor X is like, no, non-mutants are, we can work with them. And Magneto is like, no, we can't. And so then it becomes this like arms race where like Professor X is trying to like, gather up the mutants to uh teach them to be like good and magneto is like join me and we'll destroy all humans because they hate mutants and so like it's not necessarily destroy but yeah sorry go ahead go so ahead. He, your recollection your recollection he forms the x-men to like fight magneto is 
Wolverine like the guy they're fighting over? Is that what it is? Like he doesn't know which side to join. He's like a renegade and like Professor X wants to recruit him, but maybe Magneto also wants to recruit him. Rebecca Romaine Stamos is a blue bad mutant who's like body painted naked. Uh, She's an Avi. Uh, yes, yeah. Or maybe Avatar. Yes, or a member of the Blue Man Group. Uh, <laughs> and um, so she's definitely with um, Magneto, not mm-hmm. sexually, like part of his group. Um, and uh, at like I think uh, Toad is that his name? Toad is also with. Uh, so so they're coming to like destroy the government. Uh, and then Professor X is like, we have to form the X-Men to like protect the government. And Magneto's like, Charles, you're so naive to like think that we can work with these humans. And so there's like some kind of like epic battle. Wolverine is involved. Somehow he becomes part of the X-Men and they ultimately defeat Magneto. And then I think maybe the ending is that the like the the mean senator guy who wanted to like abolish mutants is still not grateful so it's kind of like a pyrrhic victory i think that's kind of like how it turns out like so magneto is like sort of right in the end that's like my guess of like how this movie goes yeah i mean i think that that's really close and it's it's not too different than what i remember i the only sort of details i can fill in are um around characters you totally didn't mention so like um, Anna Paquin, for instance, oh, she yes. plays Rogue in this movie. And so she's, I think, one of the core elements of this. Um, if I remember correctly, so we, we first meet Magneto uh, as um, a young boy in the Holocaust. And then we have that whole sequence. And I, I remember him like distinctly like in his like Holocaust prison, like like ripping off the doors and everyone being like, oh, and then it like cuts to present day. Uh, and then we meet Anna Paquin as Rogue, and she's like with a boyfriend. She's like a high school girl, mm. and she kisses him, and I believe he dies. She drains the life out of him through the kiss, yeah. right? And then yeah. she, that's how she gets a white hair, also. Like, that's her life. I think being the white hair out. is just her hair. I don't remember. I know, I'm pretty sure she, like, as part, like, when she they show her hair turn white or whatever. life force, it also sucks a little bit of life force out of her, and that's why her hair turns white. I think that's interesting. But yeah, so anyway, so then she runs away because she's like terrified of her powers because she murdered someone. And, and what's happening is Professor X and Magneto are fighting over Rogue. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I believe Wolverine somehow becomes attached to Rogue. He's the next character we meet. He's a Canadian. Because he's normally, I mean, Wolverine's canonically Canadian, which is a fun set of words to say. Uh, uh, he, I know he's like really into canonically like, canuck. In like um, he's in the woods a lot, right? Like that's like yeah, yeah. and he's like a kind of woodsy guy. And I think he's driving, and somehow like Rogue is on the road, like hitchhiking, and that's how Wolverine meets her, and she ends up as part of the X Men, and there she meets Cyclops who's a young, one of the students in Professor X's school. Uh, isn't played. he like older? Isn't he, hasn't he already, like already graduated? Like him and uh, Phoenix are like the Correct. older so, uh, like mentors or whatever? Jean Grey is, Jean Grey doesn't, she is not Phoenix yet. Okay, right. They call her Phoenix. Jean. She yeah. is Jean Grey. James Marsden is Scott Summers. He is Cyclops. Yeah. Um, and they are in a relationship and he's sort of the leader of the team. 
Okay. It's like, and then Iceman is there, I believe. Oh, he's like blonde, uh, kind of douchey looking. And he's the one that that rogue. But he's liked. a kid. Yeah, and he's he's younger. He's like a yeah. Student. And I think Pyro is there, but Pyro maybe runs away and joins Magneto, Magneto. again. Maybe it's yeah. like I'm, I'm sort of joining the movies. Um. So anyway, that you got the ideological disagreement exactly correct. The end of this movie is they have a fight on the Statue of Liberty. And I distinctly remember that there is a part of this fight where like Wolverine either gets like thrown off the roof, like the top, and he uses his claws to like swing around one of the spokes of her crown. And it falls off, but he like is able to swing back around onto the fight. Like I very distinctly remember that. Slides off her head after that happens. Maybe it does it like that or maybe not, but I definitely remember that visual of him like using his hooks to his claws to stay on specifically on that piece. And that is of course like symbolic because the Statue of Liberty is about this, is about like acceptance of of other people regardless of, of their statuses. And so that's why it is like very thematic that their fight over whether mutants should have to register takes place in uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, climaxes in, in that location. Uh, right. So I, I think that, that that's, the broad, but you got the broad strokes correct. Like I believe that there is a senator who is trying to pass this mutant registration act, and there's this ideological question about how it should be resolved. And I believe you're also correct that the movie is not saying Magneto is wrong to say that it's bad to do this registration act. Yeah, um, but the movie is saying maybe he's going too far, and also it might end in a sort of pyrrhic victory. That'll be really interesting. Um, what was Magneto doing this whole time? Like. I feel like he was just like, like, there's definitely a sequence where he plays chess with Professor Xavier. Right. I feel like he's like in a castle in Europe. Like he's not actively being a bad guy until he's provoked, right? I think like that's- he's in prison. Oh, maybe. No, no, no. He's definitely in prison, in a very specific prison where no metal can come in. And maybe this is not in this one. Maybe it's in the next one. But he gets out of prison. Doesn't Rebecca Romain Stamos break him out? Like- the way that they break him out is they 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 put a bunch of they like have the guards drink this liquid that has like iron in it and he's able to pull oh, yeah. the iron out of them. If I yeah, maybe remember that. I'm not sure that that's this movie though. I remember that and they like all um, just, like, shoots out of them and they like they bleed and die. Right. Uh, it's it's not it, that might be in one of the other movies. Yeah. Uh, in any case. It is, it is all about a fight to this legislation. And Doesn't Rebecca Romain Stamos, her power is that she can like uh, change. The, change. So yeah, she, she can I look think, like anything. I think she like morphs into a guard and like helps him break out. All of his henchmen kind of break him out, I think. I'm remembering now. But that might be in one of the other movies. Oh, okay. He might start free in this movie. Like you're, you might be right that he's just kind of off in the distance. And it's, it's this registration act that sparks him to be like, I have to put together a team against this. Right. Okay, so you you mentioned uh, the rogue stuff, but like we joked about it earlier, right? Like Wolverine, like who am I? Like is that in this movie where he does like that, like walkabout so of like identity I, stuff? I, I believe X two is a lot more about Wolverine. I believe that's where Brian Cox is introduced as like oh, the striker guy who like put the adamantium into him. Correct. I believe that that's in X2 where it gets into the history of Wolverine as sort of a made thing. But and that might, is, 
Is that the plot of X2? It's kind of like a like a Jason Bourne thing. He has to like take down Treadstone or take down like the people who turned him into this guy. I think so to some degree. And then also I'm but I might be confusing that with So in this movie he's like more mysterious, right? In this movie movie, he's just they I don't know that they know when they're making this movie that the breakout star of this movie is Wolverine. Because the second movie is about Wolverine. There is also a spin-off sequel. X-Men Origins Wolverine. Right. There is a sequel to that movie called Wolverine Logan. Japan Town or whatever. And then there is Logan. a sequel to that movie called Logan. Which is awesome. Uh, and then like he's appeared in Deadpool. He's appeared in these other movies. Or he's like, going to appear in Deadpool. Uh, I thought he was in... No, that was the whole big announcement this year that like ah, he's in the he's forthcoming in, Deadpool. He's in the X-Men reboot. Like yes. the first class or Days of Future Past or one of those movies. Yep. And he just like tells them to fuck off. So like... He's a, he becomes a thing. But this movie was not written around him, correct? They didn't know he was going to be the guy. The other person we didn't say anything about is uh, Halle Berry. Um, oh, yeah. Is she already in the school? I think she's a teacher, right? She's a professor in the school? Um, yes, Storm. she's a teacher in the school. And then, of course, her power is that she can roll back her eyes and they turn all white. And her white hair, like, spreads out behind her. And she makes um, storms. Okay, am I confusing two characters? Does she have like a some kind of island accent, or is that a different person? You're thinking of Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> she goes, "Misa, make a big." Okay, so but Wolverine's thing in this movie is that he has like picked up Anna Paquin, and it's like a package deal, right? Like she it's a package deal. <laughs> She wants to go to uh, well, like Professor X's place, and she's like, "Come with me." He's like, oh, "I can't leave you alone, kid." So, like, he goes. I think that's how it. He chomps on some cigars. I'm sure he's very gruff. Yeah, um, yeah. We remember the characters, and then like I, I, I remember Jean Grey kind of has a thing for Wolverine. Like she's kind of like, mm, he's oh, hot. and she's got. He's with Scott. Yeah. One of the things that I'm super excited about this movie and we'll talk about this in the second half after we watch the movie, is the ways in which you could imagine a course of comic book movies that's totally different than the MCU movies. Yeah. Because I don't think that this movie really naturally fits in the MCU right. house style. And I, I'm really curious to, to, to view those, like to, to watch this movie in the lens of, I have seen 25 MCU movies uh, how does this fit in the more modern comic book landscape? Yeah, but with that. Yep. Okay, I was just gonna, I was looking up uh, Spider Man One because these are both Sony two thousand two. Well, right. there's a very specific thing that happens in between Spider Man One and this movie that would impact the course of all of these things, but also the final scene of this movie because I think we'll see in one of the posters. Um, this movie is set in New York City and. Definitely features the Twin Towers. Right. Okay. Uh, And of course, Spider-Man famously had the sequence where he, in the trailer, caught a helicopter in between the two towers. And then that had to be removed from the movie because it was released after September 11th. And it's all pretty crazy. Um, Okay. So let's look at the posters. Okay. So the first... The first poster is just the X logo has like a metallic X logo and it appears to be sort of a door that's opening in the middle. Yeah. That is actually the entrance to Cerebro, which is the chamber where professor Xavier can put on his little helmet 
to find mutants all over the world. And I think he's even able to communicate with them through Cerebro. So you uh, joked earlier about like uh, uh, Professor X's school of witchcraft and wizardry. This is like the pen sieve, right? It's like the same kind of. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will also say that saying uh, behind that door is Cerebro where <laughs> Professor Xavier can put on his helmet to detect other mutants is like one of the nerdiest sentences yeah. you can say. Um, it's a cool poster. It's yeah, go ahead. It's a really long like plank that he has to like drive his wheelchair out yeah. onto, right? It's not just like a room, like it's a whole like thing. No, and it's in like a globe. Right. Uh, and it's like he goes out into the middle of the globe uh to, okay. to sit out there in his wheelchair. He's in a wheelchair. We didn't say that in the first half. It's right. sort of like canonical to the character. Uh, I think what's cool about this poster, and I sent more than one poster, but what's cool about this poster is this is clearly like the teaser poster. And it's just like, hey, are you an X-Men fan? There's gonna be an X-Men movie. And it is, it is sort of doing the thing that the 1989 Batman movie poster did, which is just, here's the bat signal, the bat logo. Yeah. And you know what this is because it's Batman. But I'm going to argue that this is different because that is the, the classic Batman logo where this, I think, is doing sending a clear message by doing very little that it's metallic and it's gray and it's not colorful. So That's this true. Is, this is not your, you know... Kids. Your daddy's X Men. Your daddy's X Men. There you go. Your son's X Men. Yeah. yeah. So I think that I think that's intentional. I think like this is actually doing a lot, even though it's so subtle. That like it's it's all gray. It's metallic. So like to your point about like the the uh, Matrix type vibe, I, I think that's like I think it might have made waves. Now the newest link that I'm sending you is the second poster that we're going to look at. Got is that it. open for you? As oh, so it's the same poster, but... It's the same thing, but now the doors are slightly open. Yes. Uh, and behind it, there's sort of a light coming out. Um, we see Wolverine... Leading the pack, which is interesting. We based see... Based on our conversations about we whether see or not... A woman. It could be... It could literally be any of the woman, women in this movie um, because they have light hair, but... It must be Jean Grey, right? Could be Storm even. It's and then you can make hair. out Professor Xavier because you see his bald head, yep. Patrick Stewart's bald head. And then there are two other people you can't really tell who they are at all. And it says, trust a few, fear the rest, which is a really a good tagline. Yeah. I think. And it, it does speak to like, this movie is very much about the registration thing mm -hmm. where it's like, yes, there are some good mutants, but, and how this is going to be like about racism and, uh, what have you yeah um okay and then there is a third poster yeah. which hopefully works because it's the coolest one and this is a character poster um i think each of these had an individual poster as well oh cool so this says trust if you fear the rest but it is it is 10 sort of sliced headshots we get in the top left professor xavier we get storm it looks like toad yeah next to storm no, that could be Nightcrawler. I don't no. remember if Nightcrawler's in this movie. Yeah. Um, then you get uh, Cyclops with his red eyes. You get Magneto in his helmet. Wolverine is in the bottom right. Sabretooth is next to Wolverine. So Sabretooth is in this movie? Sabretooth I... is in this movie. He's oh. one of Magneto's guys. Then Jean Grey. Not Jean Grey, sorry. Then Rogue in the middle. Then Mystique. Then Jean Grey on the bottom left. 
Doesn't uh, Sabretooth have a similar backstory to uh, Wolverine? I thought that was part of a so whole... In like, these movies, I believe I? Sabretooth and Wolverine are like brothers. Right, which is why I thought when you were saying that the second movie was more about like finding out who he was, I thought that's where Sabretooth would appear. I think... I think he's in, he's in this one. Clearly. I also think in X-Men Origins, Wolverine, that movie opens with like the two of them fighting like in every war throughout history because they're just like the ultimate warrior. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's cool about this poster, it has an additional tagline beyond trust a few, fear the rest. It also says the evolution begins only in theaters. Oh, yeah. Which is cool. That is cool. Um so <laughs> it's funny because like that's what what a poster would say now because it's not a given that movies are released into theaters first so like that's yeah. what they say about like all movies like only in theaters that that should have been a given at the time um, um but, but yeah it, I, I also this poster reminds me that scott summers wears the cyclops glasses he's wearing glasses the whole movie he has the visor that lets him like direct his eye laser into like a beam, but he's also wearing glasses the rest of the time because when he takes off his glasses, if his eyes are open, it just shoots fucking lasers everywhere. Yeah. Isn't there uh, a thing where like he can't have like sex with Jean Grey because he's going to like blow her head off with his lasers because like it's connected. I mean, glasses. I, I, I really think that that if not in this movie, it's a thing that comes up in one of the... Uh, well, it's definitely a thing with Rogue, right? She obviously can't she yeah. can't have sex with anyone because she can't touch people because she sucks up their powers. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like there's a sequence in this movie where they're at like a museum or something and Scott Summers' glasses come off and like he shoots like a hole in the ceiling. Yeah. I like vaguely remember that happening. Is it, is it right. Um, so again, I'm getting confused between all the movies, but I'm pretty sure there's a time where like he loses control and then like is scared to like use his powers again because. He, yep. And I don't remember if the jet is in this movie, but I think it oh, is. Oh, yeah, the jet. Kind of looks yeah. like the uh, the plane from Executive Decision. Yeah, that's how we connected the movies. Yeah. <laughs> There's a jet. And the last uh, thing about this poster is that, it, again, it's all, like, blue and silver. They're, they really are trying to, like... Very consciously trying to be cool. Yeah. I was going to say, like, sepia this, but it's not sepia, but, like, monochrome the whole look. Of, mm-hmm. of the marketing of this. Um, okay. And so then I sent you two VHS boxes. The first is an eBay listing. Okay. You can zoom in. And that one has the front and the back of the box. Um, but oh, you yeah. can't really read the back of the box. But the front of the box has that sort of X logo, the metallic X logo, and the floating heads above it of yeah. Cyclops, Storm, Wolverine, and Mystique. Mm-hmm. And on the back... You see, like, Wolverine threatening someone, Mystique looking at Sabretooth, and Storm, like, with lightning shooting out of her head, which is, and her eyes are all white. To be clear, this is the UK box. This is the UK box. And then I also sent you another box, which only has the back, um, where we get a quote from New York One. Smart, funny, and loaded with eye-popping action. That is a bad sign. And then what? I don't know. New York One is like the Photo one pull quote that they're going to Oh, there's also a San Francisco Chronicle. Oh. Okay. So then underneath that, you have, again, sort of that slices. And Beast, is that Beast? No, that's Sabretooth. Sabretooth in the middle, yeah. And so you see Wolverine, Mystique, Cyclops, 
Sabretooth, Storm with her white glowing eyes, mm-hmm. and Magneto. Um, including all new featurette with 10 minutes of never before seen footage, interviews with Brian Singer, and animated storyboards. Maybe this is where we address the Brian Singer of this all. Oh, yeah. Not the best part about doing this podcast is that we have to talk about Brian Singer for five seconds. <laughs> We're not celebrating Brian Singer. Uh, end of conversation. <laughs> okay. uh, Short and sweet. This is where we remind you that Brian Singer also directed Bohemian Rhapsody, which sucks. So even if we like this movie, let's just point out that he's shitty anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay, good. So yeah, then, but... here we go. <clears throat> Witness the evolution of spectacular action and excitement in this dazzling feat of fantasy, quote-unquote. Feast of uh, fantasy. Feast of fantasy, quote-unquote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from the San Francisco Chronicle. Unlike anything you've ever seen before. Okay. Born into a world, in a world, uh, filled with prejudice are children who possess extraordinary and dangerous powers, the result of unique genetic mutations. Cyclops unleashes bolts of energies from his eye. (laughs) (laughs) So bad at reading. Cyclops unleashes bolts of energy from his eyes. Storm can manipulate the weather at will. Rogue absorbs the life force of anyone she touches. But under the tutelage of Professor Xavier, Patrick Stewart, these and other outcasts learn to harness their powers for the good of mankind. Now they must protect those who fear them as the nefarious Magneto, Ian McKellen, who believes mutants, humans and mutants can never coexist, unveils his sinister plan for the future. Pulsing with state-of-the-art visual effects and unforgettable characters, X-Men delivers it all. Um, this movie came is, came out in 2000 in color and it's approximately 104 minutes long. Um, it's interesting to me that this movie only indicates that Patrick Stewart plays Professor Xavier and that Ian McKellen plays Magneto and doesn't say that Halle Berry is Storm or that James Marsden is Cyclops or that Anna Paquin, Oscar nominated at this point, is Rogue. Huh. Um, For it what? just uh, The Piano. She actually won Best Supporting Actress for the Piano, I believe. Hmm. Uh, and she's awesome in that movie. Uh, I think she won. Right. Uh, she, like, she's an Oscar winner. And they, they don't mention her name. But they mention Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen, which I think maybe speaks to like where everyone is in their career at this point. Why do they leave an L out of Ian McClellan's name? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so the thing we, we missed, I think, in our recap that I'm getting from the back of the box is there's two things that happen. The first is this announcement of the Mutant Registration Act, uh-huh. and Professor Xavier is sort of going to lobby against it, I think. Right. And Magneto is like, cool, I'm taking this opportunity to establish mutant dominion over the Earth. Right. Like, we are more powerful. We are the next stage of evolution. We should be in charge, not humans. Yeah. And so we're going to sort of take control of everything. And at the end, the the X-Men stop him, but then the Mutant Registration Act continues to go forward um, as a result of what Magneto did. And so it's like, hey, this Registration Act is not great, but also, you know, uh, I think that that's, that's sort of what this is making me think is happening in this movie. Yeah, that tracks. Does Magneto wear the bucket on his head so that Professor X can't brain control him? Yes. Yeah. 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 Also because it looks cool. Yeah. But uh, I, I mean, debatable. Um, but I think that's why, right? Yeah. 
Uh, I like how the uh, back of the box says, like you pointed out, including all new feature out with 10 minutes of, because this is a VHS, right? So it's not like a DVD menu you can choose from, right? It's like you yep. finish the movie and you have to like get through the credits and then like the featurette just like starts on the VHS tape. How cool. That must be what it is. That must be exactly what it is. Yeah. But we can also, there's also an X-Men DVD. Right. Um, should we see if we can look at that? We could. It's boring. It looks exactly the same. www.x-menvideo.com, which is a dangerous <laughs> website. <laughs> uh, don't look at that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think we remember this movie actually pretty well, considering that we both thought we didn't remember this movie that well. Yeah. Uh, are there any other action sequences we remember? This is the the real problem is I can't just pick out action sequences because I definitely remember action scenes from the movies that are in one or the other. Like, I know that this isn't the one where Magneto lifts up the Golden Gate Bridge and connects it to Alcatraz, but I know that that's in X3. Like, it is is hard to know. Uh, I I think... I don't remember... Yeah, so I remember, like, the broad strokes, and that's as much, I think, just a function of, like, I can kind of guess where the plot might go. But now... But I don't remember anything except that, like, when you said some stuff, like, some stuff came back to me, like, Anna Paquin, like, sucking the life out of that that guy and uh i remember now like what the school kind of looks like and that like um it looks like hogwarts in new york yeah it's all like wood paneled and like but i don't remember like any like the epic like battle scenes but maybe the i just remember the final battle in on the statue of liberty yeah i don't i have no memory um, of that but let's let's watch the trailer maybe that'll watch the trailer. it's probably a good trailer okay ready yep The most 2000 trailer I've ever seen in my life. Oh yep. my God. Was that like Moby? Playing? Yeah, it sounded like, like it was really going for this is like the Matrix. Yes. Um, Big time. Not a great trailer, I gotta say. No, but a very of the moment trailer. We probably yeah. thought it was a great trailer at the time. Yeah, agreed. Um, which makes it a good trailer because it was aimed at us at the time. Yeah. Did we it? were, we, you know, we normally say how old we were. We were like, 15, 14 when this movie came out? The exact target demographic for this movie. Yeah, we were like, oh, that music's so cool. Did you hear that guitar? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, did it bring anything back for you? Um, yes. There's definitely a sequence. Well, I mean, it shows it, but where like all the cops pull the guns on Magneto and he's kind of like, oh, I'm so scared. And then he pulls all their guns away and like he might even stop all their bullets sort of Neo style first and then take their guns away. And then he lifts up their cars. Um, Does he turn the guns on them and shoot them all with them? Oh, I think he does. I think he does. I think that that happens. Yeah. 
Uh, Another thing the trailer showed, similar to uh, how executive decision trailer showed Steven Seagal getting sucked out of the plane, but lacking context, you didn't understand. Uh, so first of all, the senator does kind of look like the senator from executive decision. Uh, he, they, he, they turn him uh, into a mutant where he gets all like melty and like wobbly. I, I think they like kill him. I, so, uh, but I think that, that they kill him by like erasing, like turning him into a thing he hates. Are you suggesting that they have a thing that turns people into mutants? Very uh, Super Mario Brothers-esque. Um, I think oh. for somehow they turn that senator into a mutant and he gets really like melty. I remember like he has like no bone. Like, or do they reveal it. that he is a mutant in Oh, Super maybe that's what it is. But anyway, in the trailer, you could see him like melting. He's like in a prison and he like kind of like melts. I remember he melts. It's like all I remember about it. And you can see, kind of see in the trailer. I also remember the Canadian Rockies fight sequence uh, with Sabretooth and Wolverine um, that they showed in the trailer. Still yep. don't remember the uh, uh, Statue of Liberty fight, which I saw snippets of in the trailer. It's. I think they also maybe showed that they fight in like Grand Central. Yeah, um, but it'll be interesting to see. I'm excited to watch this movie, even though it wasn't a great trailer. Um, what do you think you gave this movie at the time? Like, did this movie? Did you see this movie and go like, "I love comics. I love this movie. Brian Singer, you nailed it. You're my favorite person. <laughs> You're never going to do anything wrong. Uh, I hope you one day make a movie about my favorite band, Queen." <laughs> um, I I loved it at the time. I thought it was super cool. Um, I just thought it. I was like, "This is." what movies should be this is the future uh i loved it i'm a little nervous now in hindsight i don't think this movie aged well that's my guess i think it might be solid so i think i gave it at the time a 10 i'm gonna i'm gonna conservatively say a six i just think it they they tried to capture the zeitgeist of what it felt like in the year 2000 so specifically that i think this does not this hasn't aged well. Uh, that's my guess. So I'm going to give it a six. What about you? I, I think I was like you. I definitely gave this movie a 10 at the time. I remember being so amped for the sequels. Yeah. And so like satisfied by X2 and disappointed by X3. I remember this movie revealing like some of my friends were secret comic book nerds. You know, because we would go see the movie and then like something, there would be like some obscure thing in the back. And they'd be like, oh, that's like whatever. That's like an allusion to this other story. And I'm like... I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so I definitely love this movie at the time. I'm a little less nervous than you. Cause I yeah. think, um, I still think it'll be good. I'm going to say, I'm going to give this movie an eight. Okay. Um, Cause that's me being a little bit realistic as opposed to just saying, I'm going to give it a nine. I think I'm really going to enjoy it. I think I'm going to especially enjoy it in contrast to sort of the more modern comic book movies. Yeah. I think that the dated elements will have a nostalgia play for me. Like the stuff that's cool. That was cool when we were 14. That isn't cool anymore. Like I think it'll still work for me on nostalgia. Uh, and I think, um, yeah, I think it's just going to be good. Like I, I definitely remember X2 being better than this movie. So that's why which I is, think it has written to grow. Which is an accomplishment. And how big of a failure is it that a movie marketed to teens that was called X3, as in Triple X, was so bad? Because like you already have the Triple X to get the teens in there. Uh, exactly. 
And yeah, what a bomb. It was just later just shown up by Triple X and Vin Diesel. (laughs) Right. And then Uh, the sequel with Ice Cube. Triple X2, State of the Union. Yeah. (laughs) With with Ice Cube, right? He's the guy in it. Yep. Yeah. Um, Who do you think you're going to watch with? Um, Not my kids. Um, Because I think think this was at a time where they hadn't quite – sanded down like marvelized the movie so much that i think like there'll be some like kind of like gross like transformation stuff in this i think it'll be like a touch grittier than like marvel which is like i think you can basically show your kids like or my kids age like any marvel movie yeah i mean there's also sexuality in this movie oh right yeah Um, um i'm gonna pitch it to my wife she who does like Marvel movies generally, like not like like we 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 go see them together, like they're they're fun. So she might she might watch this with me. Um, I can never tell. Like she's certainly not doing it as like we should watch this for your podcast. It's just like if the movie like appeals to her, she's like yeah, I'll watch it. Uh, so not, um, not to throw her under the bus. I suspect Megan will not want to watch. She's got such comic book fatigue. Like whenever like I had to like really force her to watch Andor. And then she loved it. She was like, Andor's amazing because it's amazing. But it was literally, she was like, I don't want to watch another franchise thing. I'm not watching it. I'm not. And then like, I find I was like, just give it a shot. You might like it. And then she really liked it, but she will not be into like the fact that I turned my podcast into a way to watch other comic movies. (laughs) Did you, um, did you see all of the subsequent x-men's i feel like i skipped all of the like I, quasi 70s reboots of like james mcavoy so i saw first class in days of future past but not rogue phoenix or something that's not what it's called uh, it's uh, no so dark i have phoenix. not seen dark phoenix or um the one where isaac oscar isaac plays apocalypse yeah i think i skipped all of them but i did watch uh, logan uh, which was great Logan was good. Logan was good. And Logan's, I think, more of a sequel to this movie or like these movies. Right. Um, yeah, I think these movies are good. I'm uh, excited to I, see I this. think we're going to like it. I'm going to give it an eight. Okay. I'm amped to watch it. I'm giving it a six with the idea that like there's upside here. You know, like yeah. I, I'd rather do that than. Uh, well, have you watched The Matrix recently? Uh, the original? No, I have not. Yeah. Because that's a 10. That's still a 10 out of 10 perfect masterpiece. Uh, like, despite the fact that it has things that are very of that moment, yeah, nails it. That is a that is a perfect movie. Yeah, uh, and so like, I I don't think that the being of the moment will necessarily hinder it for me. All right, we'll find anyway, out. I'm amped. I'm amped. I'm changing my I'm changing my prediction to a nine. I'm predicting I'm giving this movie a nine. Are you like? Do you keep saying you're amped because like you're also like tapping back into that time where like we drank a lot of I'm Mountain, go drink, Mountain Dew. We go drink a Bolt's Cola and watch this. Yeah. So amped for this movie, dude. Yeah, uh, bro. <laughs> While you were watching this movie, did you write any really bad jokes? Because I wrote one really bad joke. Like. You made up a joke, or you point like? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a the sort of like a Rodney Dangerfield type okay. joke. It's really terrible. 
uh, it's, I heard Ron DeSantis tried to ban this movie. He's very against the concept of X-Men. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, I get hey. it. Uh, was that a task where we were supposed to try to write uh, Rodney Dangerfield type <laughs> jokes? Uh, basically, I'm always trying to do that. I'm just not very good at it. Oh, um, that's funny. Well, I mean, that's also like you know, that's on on topic, right? Like Ron DeSantis and the senator from this movie probably would have got along great. Oh yeah, I have a line about Marjorie Taylor Greene in my notes. Yeah, if you replace the word mutant, if you replace the word mutant with Jews, Marjorie Taylor Greene probably believes this whole movie. <laughs> well, well, I mean, the movie kind of conflates the two, right? And then I actually wrote, honestly, she probably believes it about mutants. <laughs> uh, All right, should we get into the uh, the recap? Yeah, do you want to do the recap or should I do the recap? I feel like you're really good at it, um, and I'll, I'll I'll try to chime in. Um, although I do want to, this, this, um, yeah, I don't know if you um, did, like before the movie even started when they did the 20th Century Fox thing. Did you notice that when it faded out, the X on Fox uh, like lit up before it faded out from the uh, that screen? I can. I was probably writing my Ron DeSantis joke at that point, <laughs> so I did not notice. Literally, it happened. And I was like, why did the X light up? I'm like, oh, right. This is x Um Yeah. Um, no, why don't you go ahead? Wait, so, so first off, I was pretty spot on with a lot of my specific remembrances. Yeah. So, like, I remembered that this movie opens in the Holocaust. Yeah. I thought that it had Magneto in, like, a... They were doing tests on him. I actually think that that's in X2 because I think they draw the parallel between doing tests on Magneto by the Nazis and tests that are happening on Wolverine. But it opens with that scene where his mother's being pulled away from him and he is, he like rips open the, the gates. Gates. I was really hoping uh, that he would like impale some Nazis on the gate. Like what a waste. He didn't quite get there. And I was like, eh, right. you know. He doesn't have that Mark Wahlberg thing. Like, if I had been around during the Holocaust, it wouldn't have happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. Like, wouldn't it have been uh, great if the movie opened with, like, some Nazis well, getting got? I, I think the implication is that because this movie says that kids start to sometimes come into their powers around puberty. Yeah. I think that that's the first time he uses it. Right. So I don't think that it's, like, a thing he knows how to do. Right. Um, he's probably very scared. Um, so then it cuts from that to Rogue, who's kind of the main uh, story device. She's not the main character of the movie. She is like the MacGuffin of the movie. Right. But did we, did the movie, did you, I don't know when it happens, but like the actual like opening, like the title. Uh, so, the like, so awesome. 2000. It is. It's so it, 2000. It, it's also, I remember the Spider-Man credits being very yep. similar with Sort of moving into 3D space and like showing you genetics. And, yeah, same studio, right? Um, um, no, that's Sony. This oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but same era. Yes. Um, and of course, they're both Marvel. Um, so uh, similar. Um, so yeah, so it has the, the like 3D chromosomes and like electricity and like neural pathways and stuff. And it's just like flying um, through it with like really 2000 music and a lot of... Uh, like, like loud sound effects, which is like a thing that this movie carries through the whole time, just like whoosh and fling. Like things are things are moving. Yeah. I wrote that I love the retro CGI opening. That's I think you and I may be different on that. Well, it's also funny because you call it retro, right? Like, I guess it is retro now. It's retro, 
Yeah, it's so. And weird. at the time, it was just cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then the other thing over the the credit thing, there's Patrick Stewart sort of talking about yeah mutation and. And my first note on the movie is Patrick Stewart has such a fucking voice. Like, yeah. there's nothing else to say. He just sounds incredible. Yeah. I also uh, had a note that says Patrick Stewart looks so young, which is a weird thing to say because he still looks old in this movie. But, like, compared well, to now, I was like, he looks so young. That's that's similar to my note about when we first see older Ian McKellen, which is just, oh, my God, Ian McKellen is so hot. <laughs> yeah, like, it's so weird because, like, at the time, they're, like, supposed to be, and they are old men, but they're still, like, vibrant actors 22 years later, uh, 23 years later. And so, like, they look so good. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, Ian McKellen is legitimately hot in this movie. and I, I, There's no fighting about that. Yeah. Um, okay. So then, um, right. So Rogue is making after. So after the Holocaust, it jumps to it says the not too distant future. Yeah. And remember, this movie came out in two thousand, and we jumped to Rogue in her room looking at a picture of the Twin Towers. So I'm like, okay, so it's really not too distant from when this movie came out. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. So then she kisses her boyfriend, and he like kind of dies. And my first note is like, how is this happening? to her for the first time. Like she's never touched anyone before. And then they reveal a Jean Grey. So then it cuts from, from Rogue kissing a boy and him going into a coma. Dying, said, going yeah. into a coma, you find out later, um, to Jean Grey speaking in what looks like fake future Congress. <laughs> it um, looks like, it looks like, um, you know, in, in the Star Wars prequels where, where like they float around and those like, Congress, like that's what it looks like, except without like the floating chairs. But basically, it's, it's, it's the not too distant future of Congress. Yeah, um, and she's explaining that it comes on at puberty, but it's nothing to be feared. And um, and a real Republican just cuts her off and yeah. doesn't let her and finish. He goes, the truth is that mutants are very real, and they are among us. We must know who they are, and above all, we must know what they can do. That's the part that I said Marjorie Taylor Greene fully believes. If you replace the word mutant with Jews, right. Um, <laughs> And then Magneto is at that speech. It clearly doesn't go very well. Everyone's kind of cheering the, that Republican senator on. Professor X is also there, right? Patrick Stewart's there. Both there. Yeah. So, yeah. So Magneto starts starts going away, and Patrick Stewart kind of confronts him. And they're in the like greatest location. Yeah. It's like a catwalk in the Javits Center is almost what it looks like. Yeah, but also like um, it could be like in like uh, a futuristic zoo, <laughs> like that's where you yeah. like go to see the birds. <laughs> Honestly, though, just very cool. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Um, I like that a lot about it. Wait, there was something I was going to say. Oh, yeah. The thing that's funny to me about a lot of the, like, Senate scenes and the politics of this movie in general um, is that this is a pre-9-11 movie mm -hmm. that we're talking about, and it came out before 9-11, but it has real post-9-11 energy in terms of the way that the politicians behave. Um where like if you told me that if this movie took place if this movie came out in 2002 and just didn't have the World Trade Center in the background, I would totally believe that it's inspired by that. Yeah, a hundred percent. Which I think is very interesting. Also, very interesting. Literally, as you said, the words 9/11, uh, the uh, clock on our recording was 9/11. So, uh, hey, you know, make a wish. Um, yes, but I agree with you. Like it has, which I, I think also, like we think of it as like a post nine eleven sentiment. But I guess that's like when we probably 
that is number one when like a lot of these things started coming out obviously but also like when i think we as people started becoming more aware of like the machinations of certain types of politicians uh sort of but that's also like it's 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 a thing that i heard on the blank check uh 28 days later episode and that movie was also completed most of its filming ahead of 9-11 yeah and it was written ahead of 9-11. And that movie is like fully a post 9-11 movie hmm. in its ethos. And so there is definitely just something that like you can be on the wavelength on. Right. In a given moment where you're just like, you're like, no, what I'm sensing from politicians is this. And it's it's sort of universal that that sort of like, oh, if I had the opportunity to take more power because of a war or what have you. Right. Stoke fear of the other. Yeah. Like that's all very consistent throughout time. So it feels very post 9-11, but that was true pre-9-11, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. So then we cut to Canada. Um, Rogue is in a truck. She gets a lift from a nice truck driver. She asks to go to some town, and he drops her off at a bar fight. Right. <laughs> um, uh, no, it's, actually, I should be clear. It's not a bar fight. It's like a fight It's like club a cage bar. fight. And everyone's like, yeah, like she's like, oh, I want to go to this town. And like the first place she walks, I wrote this, the first place she walks into in this town, like an underground cage fight. You know what it is? It's probably like that's where everyone in the town was. So she tried a few stores and they were all like closed for the cage fight. Look, here's what I know about from this movie now. Canada was really weird in the late 90s. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. So then they go in and there's Wolverine is is, uh, fighting in this cage match and everyone you can challenge him to fight and he sort of always wins because he's wolverine um yeah here my note just says that hugh jackman looks incredibly hot Um, oh i have three notes around this i like there's a really good foley sound in this in this bit where whenever anyone hits wolverine it it. sounds like hitting metal uh, which i really like um i also wrote uh, okay so what were you well those are my notes i said number one she finds wolverine cage fighting question mark question mark number two is the metal noise is punching, which you just said. Uh, number three is he goes by Wolverine already, which I guess they kind of explain because he was like in the military or something. He had dog tags that said Wolverine. Yeah. So so the thing about Wolverine is in this movie, and, and so one of the things I, I got wrong in the first half is I said that I don't think that they know what they have with Wolverine. And they clearly know what they have with Wolverine because right. like this movie is fully setting up the sequel to be entirely about him. Right. Um, which is really interesting and also really successful. It, partially, that's that's got to be because he's one of the most popular characters in the X Men generally, like in the cartoon and all of that. But um, clearly, they knew that this was going to work with him. Uh, I think the idea of this movie is that he doesn't have any memory of who he is. Right. And uh, just like but, I, I thought, someone would like dub him Wolverine, but like no, he was already Wolverine. Like the, she finds him and he's named Wolverine. I th- I still think that I'm right that in this version of the character he's like a thousand years old. Right, they say that, right? And he's been well. They don't say it here. They they just say he could be a lot older yes. than he looks. Yeah, um, because of the way his body regenerates, and mm-hmm. we don't know how old he is. But they don't say how old he is. Um, and so I think the dog tags are from before his memory exists. Right, because he didn't have the adamantium skeleton until like 20 years earlier but he was still called right I, I guess but he was still called wolverine because he had bone claws oh right so the the knife claws cover bone claws if i remember correctly the uh, bad sequels to this movie interesting uh, oh so and anyway. my last note is uh 
stupid hair. I think he has stupid hair. He has stupid hair in this movie. And I, so then anyway, he comes out and the guy he last beat up is really feels like he got cheated. And then Wolverine pulls out his knife claws and then Rogue is like, oh, he's also a mutant. And they're like, they're like, get out of here, you mutant right. freak. And then he cuts the guy's shotgun in half, which is great. And so what's funny is that you are like, how did he already have the name Wolverine? The bigger question I have is that when Rogue follows him out to his car, but not in that way, um, she follows him out to his car, but she's hiding in the, like, yeah. the trailer bed. And then what happens? He realizes he, like, she's hiding there. feels it's like heavier as he's driving. Is I don't that- remember exactly what it is, but yeah. he knows that she's there. He brings her into the front. And she introduces herself as Rogue. And my comment here is like, how did she get the name? Rogue? Right. 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 I think, She's well, like, I think she dubbed herself. Away and she's like, my name is Rogue. Yeah. I actually have a note also. Right. <laughs> uh, and this is probably, this is later. Um, but when Wolverine finds out that uh, Sabretooth's name is Sabretooth, he's like, oh, Sabretooth? What kind of name is that? I'm like, your name is Wolverine. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, so uh, a lot of that, a lot of names <laughs> being thrown around. Um, okay, so then they're driving and Rogue is like, you should really wear a seatbelt. And he's like, I don't need to wear it. And then he flies through the window. <laughs> Pretty crazy how he gets thrown from the car. I didn't remember that at all. He gets like With, wrecked. That just shows him, that shows how, his ability to, to heal. Yeah. Um, and then there's a fight in the wilderness there with Sabretooth and... Then Cyclops and... Steve? No, or is it just, just Sabretooth, Sabretooth, and Sabretooth. And then Cyclops and uh, Storm show up to save... Yep. them yeah 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 uh or yes and anyways then they save them um and do, do, do. then they go back to ian mckellen and the only thing i wrote down in the sequence is that they have like that you know that thing that every little kid had that's or like every oh yeah yeah, yeah. The, the movies has on their desk the little ball yeah. desk toy yeah where they're like five metal balls and it's magneto's just doing it with his mind there's a lot of little stuff like that in this movie where like Magneto is just like performatively doing magnetism. Right. Magic. For no reason. Basically magic. But then as soon as he walks out of the room, they fall to the ground, which yeah. I really liked. He's um, like, uh, I think he... they're just telling him that they got away. And at this point, the movie is setting you up to believe that they are all now fighting over Wolverine. Wolverine. Correct. Um, okay. So then Jean Grey, um, they they meet she meets Wolverine and she's like interestingly like horned up for him which understandable yeah uh, Wolverine's like unconscious and, at this point right like he right and then he like wakes up and he like runs out into the hallway and it's just the coolest set I love the X Men like hallway sets just like the all blue and the underlining yeah. and everything so great uh, and then he hears Professor X in his head mm-hmm. uh, which is also really cool because that's like introducing you to Professor X's powers. And then he runs through the whole school and he finds Professor X, uh, who's like, let me tell you what we do here in Westchester, where Daniel Dweck lives. <laughs> so like an extra point to this movie because he says my name. Um, I did think that was pretty weird. What did you think was weird? That he said your name in the movie. There, I was like, oh, wow, yeah. what are the odds? I mean, a little weird. I'm not that famous. I wasn't that famous then. You were Westchester famous though. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, he, go, he explains the school and he's like, we... And we are a safe place for mutants. Yep. And then things are kind of good for a little bit. I think you see um, you see at this point um, Magneto sort of brewing his plan. So, like, now we sort of intercut between Magneto doing his plan, which I'm going to get into, and, like, Jean Grey kind of blending in at the school. And Rogue. Right? So you sort of... Rogue. 
Rogue Bunny at the school. Good point. Um, and then, so we see in the in the Magneto story, we see him um, kidnapping that senator by having Rebecca Romaine Stamos as or Rebecca Romaine no longer Stamos as Mystique, um, sort of turning into his like attaché or whatever his like advisor. Wait, you're not gonna? Can I? You're not gonna say it? He's on a cell phone on the chopper and says something about trying to ban mutant kids from school. And then he's so disgusted, oh, yeah. he throws his cell phone to his assistant. I'm like, come on. You're right. Yeah. Yep. I, I didn't even note it. I was too into the movie to note no, that's, the cell phone. No, that's our cell phone tracker. Villain yep. with so, a yeah. cell phone. Yep. He's the like, villain uses his cell phone. He's like, mutant kids can't be in school with normal kids. And then he hangs up the phone and chucks it at his assistant. Um. Yes. So then Rebecca Romaine um, captures him. And I note here that Rebecca Romaine naked covered in blue paint is definitely a Tinkerbell situation for me. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, um, that was a big deal at the time. Um, it, apparently, apparently it took six hours of makeup every day that she shot. She should have just not washed it off. Right. She I just don't think it works out. She should have just stayed blue for like however Six long it took to hours. And this is so part of Brian Singer, the whole Brian Singer of this movie is that he's in addition to a lot of other things, very he was very like um impetuous, I want to say is the word, or impulsive maybe. And he would just be like, Nah, never mind, I'm not shooting her scenes today. And it's like, she spent six hours getting ready. <laughs> She's been up since five. Oh, like after she did it? I thought the and point then, was like, yeah. I don't want to sit through this. No, and then he he would show up late to set and be like, I'm not going to shoot those scenes today. Yikes. And it's like, I mean, it's apparently, yeah, so uh, not great. I mean, um, okay, I'm surprised. So, so uh, the senator. I'm surprised John Stamos, Uncle Jesse, didn't show up to set and threaten Brian Singer. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, okay. So then Magneto reveals that he has like a 5g tower that doesn't give people COVID. It, um, gives them mutation <laughs> and it's powered by him. Oh boy. Yeah. There's just more fuel. It's just more fuel. Um, so, okay. Sorry. So he reveals that he has this machine that he powers that can turn, people into mutants and he turns the senator into a mutant which you were right about yeah in our first half i then corrected you incorrectly that he was a secret that, mutant. No, 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 that he was a secret mutant yeah so you were correct the thing about the powers so, they gave him is like they they kept changing like at first he was just like a rubber man and then he was like a, a jellyfish man when he came out of the ocean no, he's, a, he's like a liquid man he's kind of like a like a jelly man but when he came out of the ocean it looked like he turned into some kind of like fish person that's not important i just thought it was like no he's like he's like a jelly man yeah so they turn him into a jelly man and they put him in a prison but then he jelly man's out of the prison into the water and they are just like oh i guess he died uh, well it was a mistake then, right um that, yeah. that's another magneto bit where he he's like hanging off a cliff and then Sabretooth tries to grab him and then he he like jellies out of his grip and dies and, Ma and magneto is so mad that Sabretooth dropped him that uh when they were going into the prison, he opened the bars with his mind, and then he left, and then Sabretooth was trying to follow behind him, and he reclosed the bars. So Sabretooth was trapped in the prison because he was so mad. Yeah. 
was a good yeah. Good bit. <laughs> it was a good bit. It was a good bit. Um, okay, so that's the Magneto storyline to this point. And then on the Rogue um, Wolverine storyline, they're adapting and not adapting super well to being at X-Men school. Rogue is fitting in great. Wolverine is still fitting out, uh, so to speak, to quote to quote my man LeBron James. <laughs> uh, and um, uh, he's not really blending in. And he's um, having nightmares. He's having crazy nightmares. And then Rogue goes in there to help him. And she like touches his face and starts to suck out no, his power. She's just like a Logan yep. Logan. And then he wakes up and stabs her through the stomach. Because uh, he is in the midst oh, of that's right. thinking. That's right. He wakes up. Right. Yeah. right. He wakes up and stabs her. And then to save he her. touches her yes. face to save her. And then everyone runs into the room. And I have a note here that everyone runs into the room when Logan stabs Rogue. And it looks like he's making the world's most embarrassing O face. <laughs> Uh, oh no uh um yeah that was i also didn't remember that uh he like he uh killed her uh i mean he saved her her. right yeah and that's also like a really cool i think this movie does that very well it uses the powers really well in this movie so like he's like her power is that she can take other people's power my power is that i can regenerate yeah so i will let her regenerate um, okay, so then the senator shows up on the beach. So I wrote, oh, he's not dead. He shows up in the beach as a mutant blob man, which is kind of your Yeah, and the most thing. awesome, uh, like, big heavy box TV is on a stand in the beach for some reason. Did you notice, like, the old school style TV uh, on the beach in a stand? Oh, and yeah, they're, like, yeah, talking. They're, like, watching the news. Yeah, <laughs> on the beach. Yeah. Yep. Um, I have a note that says, and... amazing TV on the beach. Um, okay, yeah, and so then the other thing that happens is then um, Mystique infiltrates the school and pretends to be Iceman, mm-hmm. who is like Rogue's friend, but then says like all these really mean things to Rogue about how no one likes her and she's such a freak because she almost killed Wolverine. And so then she runs away. And so then Professor Xavier uses Cerebro, and the effect for Cerebro is super cool. The way it looks like the room like expands around him yeah. and then you hear all the noise, like such a cool effect. Um, and they find her at a train station. And I said, I, I think I predicted that it was Grand Central, but it's actually just Westchester train yeah. station, which is not a thing. <laughs> There's a lot of train stations in Westchester. Um, and then they were like, and... Wolverine, you can't go because Magneto is looking for you. And he's like, okay. And then steals a motorcycle and goes... And then they also do like a like gag where there's a button on the motorcycle and he pushes it and he goes like really fast, like cartoonishly fast. And he has like a cartoon like smile on his face because he's going so fast. (laughs) He's got the need for speed. Um, Okay, so then uh, there's like a cool action sequence at this train station where Cyclops ends up blowing the roof off. Does Magneto pull his visor off or does someone else knock it off? Uh, Toad licks it off. <laughs> Toad licks it off. All right, we totally forgot to mention Toad. His power is that he's a frog, right? It's not at all surprising later in the movie that he gets stormed because Storm is just a much better mutant than Toad. Yeah, he just licks uh, a lot of things in the movie. He's really good at gymnastics, and he has a long, sticky tongue. Yeah, am I? I don't want to like, uh, uh, you know, tip my hand or anything, but I just have a note that says. Toad is a shitty villain. Like, why? Magneto has three henchmen, and one of them is just a guy who can stick his tongue out really far. 
Look, Magneto's henchmen are just not as strong as Professor Xavier's. Like, yeah. Mystique is the most powerful of his henchmen. She has a great capability. Sabretooth is just a strong guy, basically. Yeah. He, he's just strong and he's got bad haircut. He's like a, a like a like a B movie Wolverine, basically. He's like Wolverine if Wolverine was on meth. <laughs> yes. And then you have Toad who like licks things. Yeah. Whereas like Professor Xavier has a guy who has laser eyes. Yeah. He has a backup person, Jean Grey, who's just him, but not in a wheelchair. And then he has a storm. Um okay. So and then um, Magneto is – so anyway, Magneto goes out. The thing you said about the cops where he turns the gun around on them. Oh, but then there's like – you missed like the crucial moment where they're on the train and then Wolverine starts getting like jesus like lifted up. Oh, yeah. And then he's like, right. what do you want with me? And, then, and he's like, we don't want you. And then Wolverine is like helpless and they take Rogue and you're like, oh, they're after Rogue. That's why they like tricked her into running away like you thought it was to get – uh, Wolverine, but it was really to get her, and so that's like the big turn in the uh, in the movie. Then they're carrying yep. her out, and all the cops are like, "Freeze!" Yes. Yep. And then Sabretooth says, "Don't kill the cops." To Magneto, and I wrote, "Sabretooth, the blue eyes guy." <laughs> <laughs> and then it turns out that <laughs> Professor Xavier is controlling Sabretooth. Uh, <laughs> save the cops. Uh, and then we see Halle Berry with she stayed back for this mission or she went back at this point and she's with the senator and he melts into water and disappears and dies. Pretty gross. And this is where I wrote that like, oh, Halle Berry does do an accent in this movie sometimes. Okay. <laughs> I was about to ask you that. I still am not sure if she does an accent in this movie. So so I did the research. She did. Apparently she was attempting to do a Kenyan accent. For some reason, okay, but also in the subsequent movies, she just does an American, she totally doesn't do it, she drops it, okay. So they were like, That's not working, let's just not. Do she that. doesn't talk a lot, and every time she talked, I had like my thumbs ready to type, She does have an accent, and then I literally could not figure out if she had an accent. It's very, movie. it's actually very subtle, it's just not. Real. I also have a note that uh, says, Is Cyclops mute? Because I don't think he talks in the first like seven scenes he's in, he's just like brooding from a distance. He's a very broody character yeah. in this movie, which I have a little bit of background on, okay, uh, but not a ton. Um, so anyway, it turns out that they want Rogue so that Magneto can transfer his power to Rogue so that she can run the machine because he wants to run the machine at a massive scale to turn all of New York, or, or at least all of the world leaders who are gathering at Ellis Island, he wants to turn them all into mutants so that they'll take his side. He does not know that turning them into mutants will also kill them. Right. Right. Um, Why again? And he wants to do it through Rogue because it will kill her. And not kill him. And it will also have killed him and he doesn't want to die. Reasonable. Uh, why, can you remind me why all the world leaders were gathered on Alice Island? No. Okay. <laughs> there, was, <laughs> there was a reason. <laughs> it, it, there is a reason. It's, it's, it's flimsy, but it's not any flimsier than any reason that Oh, yeah. I'm not trying to poke a hole in this movie. Yeah. I just literally didn't remember. There was a reason I don't remember what it is. Um, yeah. Uh, it's like the 200th anniversary or something. It's like something like that. Sure. Um, they're finally thanking yeah. the French for giving us the Statue of Liberty. And so then they're like, they try to use Cerebro, but then it turns out that Mystique had like poisoned Cerebro. So Professor X tries to use it. It puts him in a coma. Immediately. 
like, and yeah, but like he was in there. It's just he like was. it wasn't slow acting. The second he put the helmet on, he's like, what? Like <laughs> a second later. Um, and so the Jean Grey pulls the poison out and she uses Cerebro to figure out where they are and she determines that they're at Ellis Island. At one point also, Jean Grey reads Wolverine's mind and she sees the sequel, which <laughs> is cool. Um, and okay, so then they see the Statue of Liberty. Um, and okay, so then at this point, it's the X-Men get on the jet to go to the Statue of Liberty and so that they can have the showdown with Magneto. And it's just a bunch of cool action at this point. I'm sure your mileage may vary on the word cool there. I think it's cool. We can talk about specifics of the action, like Storm makes a storm to cover the jet so that they can go in undetected uh, or unseen. Mystique uses her powers to turn into guards to get in. Toad is sort of climbing around, hiding in places. Sabretooth is with Magneto to protect him because Magneto will be weakened by Rogue. Um, and they set up the machine in the lantern of the Statue of Liberty. That's the other yeah. um, thing to note. Okay. Uh, I have a note here that I like, which is just how much flaps did Cyclops use to land the plane? <laughs> it would be awesome uh, if like uh, Storm was like, any flaps will do to, to land the plane. <laughs> any amount of flaps. Um, <laughs> okay, so is that when they say in the plane, what would you prefer, yellow spandex? Yeah. Yep. So that's that's a, a actually a, like a line that they added into the movie because there was some dispute over like whether they should be wearing black leather or yellow spandex. The apparently the writers, like the Marvel writers, were like, no, it makes sense. You're not going to do yellow spandex. It works well in pictures. It's going to look ridiculous on screen. Yeah. So they weren't like, but fans, I think, were a little bit upset. Yeah, but turning them into leather daddies, um, uh, you know, was edgy. So yeah. Anyway, so then then there's fights. Um, um, Wolverine stabs Mystique. He ends up not killing her, but he thinks he kills her. Um, Storm kills Toad, and she has a great send-off line, which is, hey, Toad, do you know what happens when a frog gets struck by lightning? The same thing that, that, that happens, happens to everyone. humans. And then she does it to everyone else. Yeah. And then she strikes him with lightning, and he dies. And great. Great, phenomenal. Who wrote that line, and how did no Me. one fix that line? Uh, I just want to uh, say about when you say here is, a, yeah. a bunch of cool action happening. Th that's when I really wrote down how bad Toad was. He's just like tonguing everybody, and it's so effective, and it's so infuriating that it's effective. He's just like whipping his tongue at people. These people have way better powers than him, and they can't stop him. I have two notes on this. One is I wrote in my notes here. Toad used Lickitung. It's super effective, which is a Pokemon reference. Okay. <laughs> not for you, obviously. Not, not for me. Uh, the other one is that he uses, at one point, he like picks up a staff, like Donatello's staff, mm -hmm. and he spins it around and like holds it at his side. Yeah. And I think that that is an explicit Darth Maul reference. Oh. Were uh, they shooting it because, already? Yeah. Darth, that movie came out a year early. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that that's the. I think that that's a reference, like, oh, like, he spun the staff kind of like Darth Maul. I see anyway, that. Um, Mystique does a spinning kick at one point into a transformation, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And then lands, uh, okay. in, was, lands in a pose and holds the pose for a good five seconds. Yeah, the pose, there's the Black Widow pose that Scarlett Johansson does in every Marvel movie. Yeah. Um, okay, so then, anyway, they get up to the top. Uh, Magneto magnetizes them to the inside of the Statue of Liberty, uh, but then when he loses his powers, they are able to break away and they're like, we got to get up to Rogue. She's in the top part. 
And then they, oh, before they do that, they have a fight with Sabretooth mm -hmm. on the top and Sabretooth throws Wolverine off the top of the Statue of Liberty and he uses his claws to swing around the prize. Yes, you were right. Exactly yep. like and if, I did, it did fall off like I suggested it would. Uh, and then as he's falling down, he also um, claws himself uh, into the side of the Statue of Liberty's head to get purchase and his claws go directly in between uh, Cyclops and uh, Jean Grey's faces, which are very close already. Uh, Foreshadowing a love triangle. Uh, yeah. He is right. inserting himself between them. Exactly. Um, okay. So then, um, anyway, he kills Sabretooth, and then they they their plan is they are going to throw Wolverine via storm up there and Jean Grey's going to like hold him in position and right. that's what they do. And then he stops the machine and like Magneto is like bending his claws, which is really cool. And they're like ripping them out of his hands and he stops the machine. Well, and here's okay. So he's up there and he's trying to like cut the machine with his claws and Magneto is stopping him. And then Cyclops is like, I have a shot at Magneto and Jean Grey is like, no, like give Wolverine time, even though he's like made out of metal. <laughs> Magneto is like destroying him. And then she keeps being like, no. And then Cyclops is like, no, I'm just going to do this. And then he shoots Magneto and then Wolverine can save her. Why was Jean Grey so insistent on not, on, on Cyclops not just shooting Magneto? <laughs> I don't know why she didn't want him to shoot Magneto. I think initially they were like, I can't shoot the machine. Right. Because I'll hit Rogue. I don't know why she didn't just want him to shoot Magneto. And he uh, just like doesn't listen to her and then does it. And it all works out great. Um, yeah. And then it, it works out great. And then they just kind of leave Magneto there. Um, well, and they, the X-Men all run the away. plastic police scoop him up eventually. Right. And then they put Magneto into the cool plastic prison, which is what I remembered from the first half. And that's where he plays chess with Professor Xavier, which I also said would happen. Um, and then Wolverine says, I love you, Jean Grey. Which is a little coming in a little hot. He says that? he doesn't say the words "I love you," but he's just like, "I." My heart belongs. Oh, yeah. He says something right. Like so that. he. Oh, oh. So no. The the big thing is she she dies from the machine rogue, and then like Wolverine's trying to revive her again the same way, and it's not working. So she looks like she's like legitimately dead, but then somehow it then starts working, and he sacrifices himself because he's so beat up from the fight. Sorry. Did I say he loves Rogue? No, you said Jean Grey, but that's but yeah. that's in the. Uh, Hospital when he makes up. When they get back. Yeah. yeah when they but basically back. to save Rogue, he's so uh he got like kicked around so much during these fights that when she takes his regenerative powers, he starts bleeding out everywhere. Um so like it, it's almost like he's potentially, I mean, it's herself one second later, but you would you could think maybe he's actually like sacrificing himself to save her, and then he's in the bed and then yeah, Jean Grey's like, I think uh, Rogue has a thing for you. And he's like, my heart belongs to another. And she's like, this thing between us? He's like, don't. Don't say it. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a little it's a little underbaked. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then, then Rogue. Oh, and then and Professor, Professor X Xavier, is like, go on a vision quest. He says, hey, Wolverine, go make X2. Yeah. <laughs> You're really popping in this movie. Um, and that is the movie. Uh, so I, I, I'm getting a sense that you didn't love this movie. So why don't you just come out and say it? I liked it. I just it it did not. It wasn't as no, it's good. It well, I would give it like a six and a half. I gave it an eight. Even an eight. 
I, I think at the end of the first half of the episode, I got a little excited and I said I, I bumped up my eight to a nine and I'm coming back to a, an eight. Uh, and I can, I can explain why. Okay. Yeah. Go, uh, go ahead. Um, first off, I think it's great. It's, it's like high level. I think it's a really good movie. Um, I, I also think part of it is the way it plays in contrast to most modern Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Um, where like even where I agree with you, sometimes the action's not great. Toad obviously isn't great. Um, they're really doing stuff. Uh, it it often looks like real action. There are good moments in the action. Sometimes the CGI is bad and it's like distracting, but that stuff doesn't bother me that much, which I think will come in handy uh, next week. Um, and like there is. There is genuinely creative action happening at time to time. Like someone had the idea of like, hey, if they're fighting on the top of the Statue of Liberty, how what can we do that's interesting? Like, oh, Wolverine can use his claws to swing around the prong. Like that's at least an interesting idea set in a real location. Um, and I think it's done pretty well. And obviously it stuck with me very clearly for 23 years. Yeah. Um, uh, and so like I think I think that they're clever. I think every time Magneto does a cool power it's cool yeah like the way he, he like rips apart the train he like lifts up the the police cars he jesus is wolverine um oh he like threatens gene cyclops he like takes control of the situation by magnetizing cyclops's eye thing away and telling him he has to close his yeah. eyes but also trapping him so that he's looking directly at gene gray mm-hmm. so that if he opens his eyes he kills gene gray and like everything Magneto does is cool. And I think the movie also, even though it limits itself to a relatively small palette of mutants, it uses their powers in interesting ways when it, com- it allows them to combine them in interesting ways. I think like in that sequence, Jean Grey uses her telekinesis to pull Cyclops's, I think towards his face but because he won't be able to turn his head, she turns him at an angle yeah. so that his eye lasers go into them and shoot and like blast lit saber laser off. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's, that's cool. It's cool. Like, it's like, Oh, well combining, like you can do telekinesis and you have laser eyes and like, they're thinking about the powers and setting up situations where those powers would make sense. And I, I appreciate that about the movie. I appreciate that it's about something. And then I take points away because I think for the most part, there's two characters, four characters, right? There's Magneto is a character. Professor Xavier is a character. Wolverine is a character and Rogue is a character. Like you said Magneto is a character and then dropped money. Is that like a, a subtle dig? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm really going to get canceled for this episode. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I dropped my wedding ring. Um, um, uh, maybe he mag- no, maybe like, he magnetoed it off your finger. Yeah, they're they're real. They have they have like character arcs. Storm has no character in this movie. She just is a look and a bad accent. Cyclops is a Boy Scout who doesn't talk. Yeah, Jean Grey is a lady who thinks that Wolverine is attractive. Um. Toad is a toad guy. Uh, Sabretooth is a meth wolverine, as we discussed. Like, 
there's not a lot to any of those characters, right. which I think is the major failing of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't get very personal X Men. Um, yeah. So here, yeah. But I think it. Except, okay. Sorry. So what's your critique? Yeah, I, I I take your points. My issues are this number one, and maybe this is like a a capability thing, but just to to continue on your theme about like the action, it still kind of looks clunky, right? The way they're like jumping up or like getting from place to place like it looks like either like they're like on strings or it's just like bad cgi i don't know exactly how they did it but like doesn't always look great but then i also feel like we talked about how this was like the og like um superhero movie in a lot of ways like it's the template for like a lot of these movies like i guess this and spider-man and like for as like much as like marvel has become like kind of like one kind of like blob of like sameness that like they kind of like made like this house brand and like it's you know initially it was like oh like it's kind of funny and and like like now it like you can kind of like see the flaws in it this i think is trying to figure out exactly what it wants to be and i think some of that is to its credit and then it's just a bit clunky by nature like a lot of the dialogue is really like let in like i said there were like a lot of like actual like sound effects overlaid over things that like i guess they were going for like a comic book like whiz bow pop kind of like you know like comic book the only the only sound effect played over something is when Wolverine gets punched and it's metal. No, there's a lot and of like, his skeleton is metal. But there's more. There's like whooshes and when people are like swinging things. If you pay attention, like they do, like there's like a lot of like okay. stuff like that, um, and like a lot of like the the dialogue is like we talked about some of the like clunkier it's lines. Very broad. Um, it's very broad. And then also like I think in the beginning, like um, again, it also kind of feels comic booky. Where like. It's like a series of like set pieces to like introduce things, right? So like next like we go to like rural Canada, like kind of like jumping over, like and and so like that I like there's things that I think were interesting about it, but I just felt like as like a and maybe I'm now influenced by like the way you know comic book movies have proliferated and like now like you can kind of like have a sense of like what to expect. I just think like you could tell this was like one of the first ones and like there were hits and there were misses and like while I appreciate some of like the originality, I just don't think it was like super well executed because like it was this was like a, a new-ish kind of concept and I didn't always think it landed, I guess. Interesting. I I, I don't think I agree with that. I, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I think that this movie has – first off, there's a really interesting fact about this movie, which is that um, – God – Brian Singer was uh, pretty unruly on set. And so um, uh, Fox sent an associate producer to be on set every day um, to keep things in line. And that producer was Kevin Feige, um, wow. which is kind of interesting yeah. uh, as a little, a little, a little factoid. Um, I, I think that this movie had a, a particular, in its point in history, had a particular challenge that Marvel movies don't really have today, which is, it really needed to explain everything. They couldn't just be like, you all know the X. Right. So now we're telling a story in the world of the X. It's like, no, no, we have to introduce every element of this. And I think given that constraint, the approach that they took is actually really smart. Right. So you introduce Magneto, who is sort of core to why I think Brian Singer wanted to make this movie. And not to not to say that it's it's his doing, though that is something that comes on in the later scripts of this movie there's there's a ton of script revision here okay um and magneto at least as far as i can tell in the scripts did not always include um that his his holocaust background right 
Brian Singer had just made Apt Pupil with Ian McKellen. Um, that's you know, sort of that sort of storyline is clearly on his mind. Um, so I think it's really smart. It's like, okay, we're going to introduce Magneto. He's a core part of this. We're going to introduce Rogue. She's the other core part of this. And the thing that's so good about Rogue as a character is that her power is the most alienating. Yeah. Um, and that is the core idea of this whole movie. Like, and I think that this movie actually does a remarkable job of staying on theme throughout. So like, even though Storm and Mystique are not really characters in this movie, they both have lines that indicate their connection to the theme when talking to the Senator. So Mystique tells the Senator, um, you're the reason that I was afraid to go to school as a child. And Storm tells the character, tells the Senator, like, um, I don't hate all humans or something like that. Yeah. Or, or like he says, do you hate humans? And she says, sometimes. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> and they're all sort of speaking to the theme of the movie, which I think this movie does very well. Uh, in contrast to some Marvel movies, certainly in the later phase, which I don't think have a theme at all. Yeah. Often. For sure. Right. And so like, I think, I think that that, or if they do have a theme, it's like nothing. Like it's so buried that you can't think about it. Like this movie is obviously very uh, open about its themes. Uh, it's not subtle. Right. Uh, yeah. I think for sure. I think a, a, yeah. thematically this movie is on point and I think that it's a good point and a worthwhile point. And like, to your point, I think a lot of Marvel movies don't. I just think like, yeah, I, <laughs> I guess this is not like my full critique, but I'm just saying, like the 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 superheroes in the movie like just felt very stiff. I guess for lack of a better word, yeah. Um, yeah I, I think that that's true. I think, yeah, yeah, that's true. And so like that could have been better. And I also just think like, yeah, I just feel like it was maybe like because of the themes, maybe it was like trying to juggle a little too much in terms of like the way things unfolded, and maybe it wasn't always like the most like engrossing. I don't know. It was good. <sighs> I think I think that's what you just said is true. I think where I'm giving this movie credit is this movie did all of the setup work required to make X2 in actual 9 or a 10, which I think it is. I haven't rewatched it. I wanted to. Like, that's the thing. This movie ended, and I was like, I kind of want to watch X2 right now, right? And I think that's the ultimate credit of this movie is, like, in that context of when it came out, it really needed to introduce this entire concept to most of the people who were going to go to the movie. Yeah. And I think it did that in a way that was really engaging. Um, even if like for people who already know all of it, you're kind of like, well, I'm getting like the bland version of a lot of these characters. I think um, it's to the movie's credit that it's doing that. I, I agree. It could be better written. It could be funnier. And speaking of it could be better written. Should I segue into some of the things I learned about the writing of this movie? Yes, please. Okay. So the, there's this movie has a very long um, history. So like initially the rights to make an X-Men movie go all the way back to like 1984. Huh. Um, and that flew, that went on for a while um, in the late eighties, early nineties, James Cameron was going to produce one and Catherine Bigelow, then his wife was going to direct it. Huh. Um, and then that fell through and then Fox bought, uh, script and they had a draft written by the guy who wrote Seven. Then they had another draft written by someone uh, later, Kello Grittis, who had gone to write Shutter Island. Um, Sounds like they were all going to be kind of spooky movies. Michael Chabon wrote a treatment that introduced 
this is what I read about it. It literally introduced the X-Men. And then the intention was to introduce the villains in the second movie. What were they doing? What were they doing? Just like high-fiving? Um, okay. And then, uh, and then Fox first approached Brett Ratner to direct the movie. And my notes here just say, I would say that they dodged a bullet, but they ended up hiring Brian Singer. <laughs> Uh, so they offer. They also offered it to Robert Rodriguez and Paul W S Anderson, who was hot off of Mortal Kombat at the time. Interesting. Um, Ed Solomon did a pass on the script. John Logan, who's a writer often like with Scorsese movies, did a pass on the script. James Sheamus, who wrote Crouch Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and has worked worked with Ang Lee on a bunch of movies, did a pass on the script. That would have been better action. Joss Joss Whedon wrote a script. That would have probably been um, more punchy. Which apparently had a ton of jokes but brian singer was just not into it so there's like two lines in this movie that come from the whedon script and probably the toad line is one of them is my actual guess yeah uh christopher mcquarrie who had worked who had written the usual suspects and won an oscar for the usual suspects that uh brian singer directed he also did a pass on this script uh, did i say ed solomon who's the writer for men in black yeah. um so anyway all of those people wrote scripts, and then um, it ends up getting sole credit for the script to David Hayter, who we know as the voice of Solid Snake, and which he was at the time. But he was also at that time Brian Singer's assistant, making five hundred dollars a week working at the studio. Whoa! Yeah, uh, and by his own estimation, he actually only wrote fifty-five percent of the script. Um, but he said, "This is a quote that I got from like a Hollywood Reporter article." He said, Singer started taking me to script meetings with Peter Rice and Tom Rothman, who are two people who I didn't even mention in my list. I, that's me saying. Yeah. Okay, now I'll go back to this quote. Singer started taking me into script meetings with Peter Rice and Tom Rothman, and he would say, just sit there, take notes, don't say anything, and don't tell anyone you are writing the script. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, Interesting. He, why would, why so was like, that? Was that kind like to... So, so Brian Singer liked him, and and Hater had like an encyclopedic knowledge of X Men. He's just like a huge X Men fan. Oh, interesting. Okay, uh, and, but he was a nobody, so they weren't going to tell him that he's writing this. This is very um, Mario um, Brothers esque. Yeah, and so like certain concepts are introduced in certain earlier scripts. So like um, the second person I said, Leda Calagridis, introduced the concept of Magneto turning New York into a mutant haven. Um, Michael Chabon introduced the concept of introducing of setting up the sequel. <laughs> uh, okay, so the other thing I, I got here is that both Ed Solomon and Christopher McQuarrie asked to have their names taken off the movie. Um, Ed Solomon later said um, this move cost them both millions of dollars in residuals, uh, having their names taken off this movie because the movie is a huge success. Uh, Ed Solomon uh, is quoted in that same Hollywood Reporter article saying that it came more out of immature self-righteousness than anything else. And in hindsight, it was a pretty stupid move. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yes, correct. Whoops. Um, so that's that's interesting. The other thing is, the, the other area that was interesting, oh, this was, I saw this in the Hollywood Reporter article as well. Uh, Michael Jackson wanted to play Professor X. What? Yeah. Was he going to wear a bald wig? <laughs> and they told him, you know, that he's a bald white guy. And he said, yeah, that's not a problem. I can figure, I can do that. Could you imagine um, his conversations with Magneto? He's like, there's good in all these people. We can trust them. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, yeah. 
So that's that's a true fact. Um, oh my God. Apparently, they never actually seriously considered it. But I hope not. Um, Do you think he was like, can I play Professor X? And could Professor X have a pet monkey named Bubbles? Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, the, the other interesting casting is Jackman, which what happened was uh, first Glenn Danzig. The, the rock the, musician? Why are there so many yeah. weird people trying to play so, characters in this movie? They, that was, no, no, they, that was, he auditioned and they were like, you have the right look. Uh, but he declined because of scheduling conflicts with the band. And then they, Russell Crowe was the first choice. He turned it down, but he recommended Hugh Jackman. Russell Crowe. Who was a fully unknown actor at the time. When did Gladiator come so out? Then, Around this time, right? Uh, like a year Gladiator's later? Gladiator's a little bit before this. Oh, before this? No, after this. After, after. You're right. Uh, Gladiator. So I could... Gladiator's the same year. Okay. So I'm thinking um, of that Russell Crowe as... I could see it, I guess. Yeah. And so then, but he turned it down and he's like, you should go to this guy, Hugh Jackman, little known guy. They're like, mm, let's go to Viggo Mortensen. Uh, Viggo says no, because he's not into the character. And then they cast Dugray Scott. Do you know who Dugray Scott? Yeah, I feel like he's a guy who, like, over the course of, like, our uh, doing this podcast, he's, like, a guy who, like, almost got a lot of roles and then, like, never is, like, actually, like, the star. Uh, uh, yeah, he's he's basically, like, the Baxter. It's the Baxter, right, in rom-coms. That's the term. It's, like, the, the other guy. Yeah. Uh, he's the nice dull guy in the romantic comedy who's dumped at the end of the story for the protagonist. <laughs> That's Dugray Scott. Um, consistently, um, he was cast in the role. I just found out that he has the exact same birthday as me. I mean, 20 years earlier, yeah. but same day. And uh, he's Scottish, not, not Irish. Just so you know. You're saying do gray Scottish. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, but he had to drop out because, uh, filming for mission impossible Two, So a terrible choice. Yeah. Uh, and this movie fully made Hugh Jackman into a movie star overnight. Like that is, I was correct about that in the first half. It is just a wild thing that happened. So, uh, what does Hugh Jackman go on to do directly after this? Like, what are his, what's his trajectory? Well, the funny thing is, like, the canonical character for Hugh Jackman is Wolverine, right? You wouldn't, like, you wouldn't, you don't almost don't even think about anything else he's done. Um, I would imagine that people very of a younger age uh, think about him as the greatest showman, not as Wolverine. Do they? Does anyone think about him as the greatest showman? I mean, I know that movie made a lot of money. Was really big, right? Yeah, but like Logan was really big. I mean, he's in Pan. Yeah, uh, that's that's what I so. think of him as. <laughs> X two though, uh, which was like his movie, uh, four hundred and seven million dollars at the box office. Yeah, big hit. People liked it. It's good. You know, I kind of want to watch it too. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why this movie is good because you watch this movie and you're like, man, I like everything this movie is doing. I don't like how it's doing all of it, but I suspect it will do the next parts better. X2, definitely a better sequel, giving this movie an eight. Okay. X minus two, eights. <laughs> uh, I'm going to stick with my 6.5. And I'm also just going to say that he uh, went on to star in uh, Scoop from Woody Allen just to... Uh, We've talked about Brett Ratner and uh, <laughs> Brian Singer, <laughs> Joss Whedon. I just want to talk about uh, Woody Allen for a bit too. Um, so, okay, that's X Men. Six and a half uh, or an eight. Eight. 
<laughs> mileage may vary um but maybe we'll yeah, maybe i'll watch x2 and then I'll, I'll make an addendum to uh my feelings on and x and now it's my turn to pick right yeah you get two in a row because i because i get two in a row uh, so i am connecting to uh star wars episode one the phantom menace via toad as darth maul um yeah i i it's funny because when you when you told me that um I did not realize he was Darth Maul, but then like when you said I'm connecting to Star Wars, I'm like, what could it be? And then I thought about all the dumb faces Toad makes, and I'm like, oh, he was Darth Maul because he makes a bunch <laughs> of dumb faces as Darth Maul. So, uh, um, I am not entirely convinced. I must have seen it at least one other time. It's not like a movie I've watched a bunch, which I have a feeling it is for you. Yeah, I've seen it a bunch yeah. of times. I think this one's not even going to be a partial recall for me. I think I'm going to just recall it. That's great because it's going to be uh, a uh, extremely partial recall for me. So uh, it'll be fun. I'll go first next time. Yes. All right. Talk to you soon. Okay. Good. Do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> Do-do-do-do-do.